You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Where where do we begin? Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. First, a disclaimer from us. In the wake of Wales's hapless loss to Italy, I've been inundated with messages saying, I can't wait to hear the mighty Murph's take on this. I cannot wait to hear what Murph's got to say. Looking forward to Murph's 30-minute rant about how bad Wales were. A full disclaimer, due to a scheduling conflict and an unexpected uh, trip to the hospital I spent this afternoon at, we've not been able to get the Mighty Murph uh, this week of all weeks, but I promise you that we will not uh, we will not go without Murph um, having his say on uh, on this. So yeah, by the time he's uh, we've got his blood pressure down under 500, um, we, we, might, we might be able to return to him. In the meantime, the, uh, the founding father of this podcast is with us to, uh, to pick through the bones of that one. Dan, we've seen some rough times in the last five years and even a lot more before that. Um, where does that one rank in the history of disappointing Welsh defeats? This is up there with the, the, very, the very best of those defeats, isn't it? It's, it's, it's got to be. I mean, I... I found myself sort of uh, just being delighted for the Italians, really. But, you know, just great scenes, you know, great scenes from from them and all their fans. And, um, you know, obviously it's massive for the tournament as well, isn't it? And I I messaged um, a good friend in the morning saying, I think there there could be an upset on the cards, uh, the cards today. <laughs> and, uh, and there it was. Um, yeah, it's a hugely disappointing day isn't it for the for everyone involved in 
in in Welsh rugby, but yeah, fantastic scenes for for, for the Italian boys, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, weirdly, I, I I'm like you. I took a little bit of some kind of solace in that, I think, because you know they played they played their hearts out, and it was a moment of genius to to win it at the end, which is you know which is kind of what you want to see. Not that they played, you know bundles of rugby throughout the game throughout the game but it was brilliant that it was won by a moment of genius and um yeah weirdly I I you know I, I just think it would have been one of those performances that if we'd have scraped past them it would have papered over the cracks yet again and we'd have gone oh well you know we're we're looking all right at home you know the kind of stuff I was saying last week um but I think this defeat has been a long time coming really you know we've said it numerous times that They've just not looked. They've not looked a settled, comfortable side. We've not looked like a team for a long period of time. And yes, amazingly, we won the championship last year. But since then, it, it, to me, it's just not looked like a, a side that's, that's capable of um, that's capable of, of competing in in big, high intensity games. And this Six Nations was a lot stronger than than it has been in previous years. And yeah, I just felt like this defeat was this defeat was was coming. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in in with this game, I I didn't feel angry at the end, mm. which is which is quite, quite peculiar. You didn't either, yeah. No, I didn't. And um, that's quite telling, isn't it? And I thought that we just, I just didn't think we deserved, we deserved to win it when we when we went into the lead. I know, you know, Win Jones's, you know, Win Jones's barrel mm. over was I. I I felt that I had to be given as a try, but oh, it's a try. I think it was a try every day of the week, wasn't it? Like most yeah. most of the times that I get given as a as a as a try on field, and then the onus is on the TMO to find something against it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, it seemed to be the seemed to be the opposite, didn't it? But I, I just we didn't deserve to win. I didn't think we were we were that poor, and and when yeah, it was a just a brilliant, brilliant try that deserves. You 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 got to win the game, haven't you? With a moment of brilliance like that, I mean that is quite something. Um, you know, arguably Josh Adams probably probably could have you know could have tackled him, caught him, but just just brilliant from the small man on smallest man on the park, wasn't it? Beautiful pass at the end there to go over, and they deserved their win. But I I didn't find myself sort of shouting at the TV or um, being frustrated. I sort of thought it was thoroughly thoroughly well deserved and that we kind of deserved deserved the loss really um well, the way I, we I, don't th- I don't think you can argue that we deserved the loss and if I'm honest we've been so I, I flipped throughout this tournament between trying to be objective and say well do you know what you can only beat what's in front of you and you know you can perhaps we're it's not so much we're dragging teams down to our level it's that we're we're gritty and don't know when we're defeated but I think that perhaps proved that it is a question of of you know we've we've really in these performances during this tournament have yeah have dragged sides down to our level at points and um and I think it was it was a kind of similar exercise yesterday but the whole yeah. thing for me there just seemed like an air of complacency changing seven changing seven players all this talk of, of Alan Wynn and Dan Bigger's big day etc which don't get me wrong like I mean look you know we we both love those players you know, Alan Wynn is arguably the best player to ever pull on a Welsh jersey. Um, but the whole thing felt weird to me. It's like, oh, let's let's rush him back so he gets to play, so he gets his hundred and fiftieth cap in front of in front of a home crowd. It's like this isn't a testimonial game. There's still a test match to be out there to to go and win. The whole thing just felt a bit. Um, I think they mentioned it in the commentary before the game. It felt a little bit end of term and. That, that's a, that's always a that's always a dangerous time, you know. Regardless of the fact Italy haven't lost, haven't won a game for seven years, and have never won, had prior to yesterday never won in Cardiff, it was yeah. a it was a dangerous mindset to be in. I, I think looking at the the build up to the game during the week, and looking at the squad the squad that we picked, we I don't think that you know I wasn't that surprised that we played the way we did really, and it started. It started a week earlier, and that kind of says it all, doesn't it? We were definitely complacent in our approach. Um, yeah, the testimony—you know—it did have a feel of that whole sort of testimonial feel about it. And it, the Italians looked like they were pumped; they were raring to go. They hit hit us hard, and we looked as if we'd 
we, we weren't at the races. We weren't at the races at all. And if we look at the French game, I thought we played, you know, we played really, I thought we played well in that game. I actually look, looking at the attack as well. I know that's been hit hard during the campaign and rightly so, but I actually thought we, we created a little, you know, we created a bit more than I sort of first thought when I watched the game, um, you know, sort of live then. And just to go from, you know, that's that, that we should have won if we hadn't made that many changes, if we had the right mindset, it still would have papered over the cracks. And we, you know, we are, we aren't a great side at the moment, that, that's for sure. But that's a game that we, you know, we, we should never have lost. Um, but we did before we took on, before we got on the pitch, we lost it. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I feel very similar about it team selection and just the whole air of yeah air of uh, of complacency that seemed to that seemed to be around the place uh, but to me it was the exact same performance that we've put in for for two years I didn't see I didn't see any you know there was very little um, by way of attacking shape which we've spoken about on numerous occasions you know the games we have won and obviously that includes a title and I know you can't ignore the title from last year but it was won in very, very weird circumstances. It was played in front of empty stadiums and we had, what was it, three red cards and some very fortuitous refereeing decisions. Now, to me, it felt at some point that degree of luck was going to come back and you know we, we'd almost used up our two decades worth of luck in, in one season. And um, yeah, I feel like now it's, it's kind of coming home to roost a little bit. I don't feel like any of the... Any, to me, the best performance that Wales have put together under Pivac was that losing one in Paris uh, last year. That's the only one I can kind of compare in terms of intensity to, uh, you know, to, to anything that was achieved in the decade before. And largely speaking, it's the same. I know there are lots of injuries this time around, but largely speaking, it's been the same core of players within the within the side. Yes, big chunks of injuries this season, but. I don't know. To me, this this was a long time in the offing. You know, it was. It's been a a long period of very very poor performances, and it's kind of chickens coming home to roost yesterday. Yeah, our best performance has come come in come in the form of a defeat, isn't it? Which is which is odd, really. Again, everything about the whole setup, the camp, the the coaching is is does, doesn't seem quite right, does it? And you look at. It was always going to be difficult, I think, with the shifting of, you know, the shift, the move, the movement on of you know Sean Edwards and uh, and Gatland, and I don't think any of us sort of you know expected everything to click straight off. But there's so many facets of the game which is not which is not being sorted or is just like a, a, a perennial issues just going on and on and on. We're not fixing anything, are we? Um, and and we also can't see the the game plan, the structure that we're looking to that we're looking to move towards. I think we can, you know, we can accept losses, not a loss against Italy, but we can accept losses, can't we? If we can see what's what the plan is, but none of us, I mean, without exception, nobody can see what we're trying to do, and it's yeah, a, it's a monumental worry, isn't it? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's beyond the worry, isn't it? I think we've been saying this for a long period of time and now it's gone beyond the worry and it's, you know, one of Wales's worst home defeats. Um, well, you know, maybe the worst home defeat in the professional era. I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it it is, isn't it? Surely. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's, obviously there have been some absolute hammerings uh, over the years, but really Italy, you know, uh, I think I have... I, I do think they will they will kick on from this because I think this you know has has rid them of that seven year uh, losing streak. They've got a really good crop of young talented players here. I think they've got a very astute head coach um, in Crowley, and I do think they will they will move on and you know we'll 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 kind of back this up with some um, with some better performances and and some and some wins further on down the line. Um, but yeah. Uh, all of that said, losing at home to Italy really is is not um, is not something that I think you would you would expect. 
And and there were even with all the injuries, there were the players in Wales' wider squad to win that game, or there should be on paper. But the selection was was absolutely wrong, and the performance was um, as bad as as bad as it has been, and and just didn't have that that get out of jail free card. You know, I think I think we would we we almost felt like. We just completely took our foot off the pedal by the end by the end of that fixture, and and we let them back in it. How you can how you can lose to a um, to a side like Italy when the clock's virtually turning red and you're seventy yards down the right end of the pitch? That's um, yeah. Yes, it was a moment of brilliance, but it's also come through. It's come through complacency, and that's the that's that was that is what smacks about this whole this whole game is is just this air of complacency around around the team would you say that's um <clears throat> comes 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 straight from the top then down has to doesn't it i think you know the, say the, so these, yeah the, there's only a few things that you can actually you know there's the head coach role is so important but there are only a few things you can actually influence right we always say selection is a huge one um then it's about putting a system in place creating an attitude around um around the camp that that people want to play and 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 really train hard and go out and and deliver you know deliver deliver on that game plan and and none of those things looked right to me whatsoever you know like we we were saying you know on the the whatsapp chat during the week how odd the team selection looked um we were saying on last week's pod what's the point in rushing alloin jones back for this um and you know to make seven changes from a side that you know that would probably Wales' best performance in this tournament was at home to France. You know it was gritty, but you know very little more than that. But why you'd you'd make all those changes? You know why why would you leave out Cuthbert um, when the guys you know regained his form? I mean the the poor guy spent two and a half years playing out of form, trying to recover his form in Test match rugby. And then you know now he's now he's in good nick. I don't know. I don't know if there's an injury or something I wasn't aware of. But um, but it's just that, yeah, decisions like that. Will Rowlands likewise. You know he's been a um, continues to grow in stature. And you bring Alan Wynne Jones in for what is essentially a dead rubber. It was only ever going to be a banana skin. This even if we won it, it would have looked like oh well, you know we've brought him back in just for this game. It just didn't. It, none of this seemed right to me. It was almost like it's Italy. Italy needed that win, didn't they? But we needed that win. We we needed the win more than Italy. That's the that's the. But we, but 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 we didn't, did we? We didn't. We weren't there for it. You know, that's a that's a that's a massive game. That, and we, um, yeah, we just we we we, we just took it like it was. Uh, you know, it wasn't. Uh, it was it was an absolute foregone conclusion that we were going to get the win. Yeah. Which all feels a little bit 2007 to me. Do you know what I mean? We I similar, do. similar kind of thing away. In, uh, I mean, at least it was away that time. But you know, a similar kind of thing away in Rome, when uh, you know we we uh, we lost out there on that occasion. And and it's just it's just that kind of it, they don't look like a team that's that's got that's got well drilled units in them. And the you know we said it before. You know the the body language of great players hasn't been looking brilliant throughout this whole time and um and it's you know and it's and it's shown in that result um it, it really has do you want to do you want to take some listeners questions should we see what the the mood out there is <laughs> you just broke up then mate oh yeah yeah let's see what the mood is yeah <laughs> um Right, let us have a look let's take this one from night's games uh look like the players uh, weren't yeah it looked like the players hearts weren't in it um, jogging back to the defensive line amateur errors missed tackles have the coaching staff lost the dressing room the body language isn't great is it and I think when the body language isn't great and the attitude isn't you know doesn't seem to be quite there I always feel that's 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 almost systemic and it's coming from the very top that they're not they're not happy they're not. Uh, they're not. Um, they're not believing in the systems then that that are, that are being implemented, or or, or is them. It does that. Does that did seem very apparent to me? Yeah, 
Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying there. And I always think that it's one of those things, it's a very, very hard bond to repair, isn't it? Once the, once the dressing room goes, how do you do it without turfing out all the players you've got in there and bringing back, um, you know, bringing in players who, who will believe in those systems? But defeats like that don't just, you know, that that's even even with all the changes, that side on paper was still good enough to was still good enough to to get the win. And you know, with a cup with four minutes to go, they should have been able to to close it out from there. And I think that's the bit that that you touched on there about attitude and. You know, there needs to be that that ruthless streak of yes, okay, it's Italy. Yes, we've spluttered our way through this, but we need to close. We need to close the game out. And um, the other thing that I find a bit interesting is the I don't know if you've seen Dan Bigger's post match interview. I have, yeah, yeah. But it's um, it's very, a it's very rare you get anyone giving you that much. You know what it's like. You normally get the usual platitudes from captains. Well, we know what we've got to go away, go away and work on and fair play to Italy. They're really up for this today and we know it's not acceptable and we'll look at the video on Monday, blah, blah, blah. It's very rare that you get a captain saying something like, something like, you know, there are players there who who might have played their last game for Wales. And then when you see Pivak's press conference as well, he's then kind of saying, oh, well, you know, Dan was emotional and fired up after the game and, you know they're not they're not singing off the same hymn sheet there again it's very easy to read too much into this but that I, I think there was there was um for me i think that perhaps gives a bit of an indicator as to as to the fact that people aren't in the yeah aren't necessarily all pulling in the same direction at the moment yeah i i thought the same i thought the same with that interview as well actually and i don't think the camps looked happy at any point, really, and no. you know, let's take this Six Nations out of it. Let's go back, you know. Let's go. Let's go back a year as well. It hasn't looked happy. Hasn't looked right, has it? And you know, the players, the players are better than they're playing, but mm. you, you have to, you do follow, you follow the leader, don't you? And if that's not quite right, then it's difficult. Is, to, that, is that the leader on the pitch or the leader in the dressing room? Or, you know, or the, or the coach? I think. I think you know, head co- head coach is a, you know, I, I, you have to have a head coach that, you know, that that directs, that leads, that people that people believe in. Not everyone's going to like every decision that's made, but you know, you have to have, you know, you you. you, you, you you have to have the majority of your of your players on board, don't you? And and I think a lot of that, you know, a lot of that happens early on. They need to buy into the they need to buy into the the guy. They need to buy into the systems. They need to buy into the the sort of vision. vision. Uh, yeah, yeah, the vision of what we're doing. And I think that's a big problem because we, not that, you know, not that we ha- the vision has to be shared with us, but there has to be a vision that shares and usually it does come out through the press or, or, or through, you know, you know, directly from the coach, from the coaching team, then through the players of what we're looking to do. But I, I, unless I've missed it, I haven't heard what we're trying to do. And then it's clearly not, not evident on the pitch, is it? No, it is. Yeah. It's definitely not evident on the pitch and, I think the other thing is you just look at it has you said this at the at the top of the show the same mistakes keep happening you know I've seen very little improvement by way of that whole um the the way the forwards are carrying it in so you know we've not seen we've not seen much imposing ball carrying um we've also not seen much options it's you know people taking the ball statically people standing still um, we just had this. We had this question in from John Lewis as well. Why was Adam Beard playing fly half or inside centre most of the game, whilst failing to carry a single yard? And you know, again, I don't think that's because he's a. I don't think that's because he's a bad player. But it just it does look like a. Um, it does look like a, a, a either a lack of structure or a system that's failing at the moment. Yeah, it does. It, it kind of feels like he's he's caught between a couple of couple of different systems, or the system doesn't quite work for for the players we've got on there. And when we look at the players of which we've got up, we, we're picking, I know we've got in, I know we've had injuries throughout, you know, Pivak's campaign, you know, rain really, but we're picking, mm. we don't need to be picking, chopping and changing this many times, do we? we we're, no, we're, I don't e- think so. You know, it's almost a different side every single week. I mean, how, how can you, 
how can you build anything? Take rugby out of it. How can you build when you're when you're making when there's and they're not always needed? Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I think that you know, again, we we always come back to this that you're judged on your selection as an international head coach, and the. Uh, I mean, I mean some of them have been absolutely baffling we started the Six Nations with Josh, Josh Adams at outside centre um, which you know was not the only reason we lost that game but it, it proved to be a pretty disastrous selection and one that hasn't been repeated and uh, you know we've ended it with, with seven changes you know Gareth Davis coming coming into the side having you know and again you know I, I, you know, I, I said last week you know he had, he had a decent outing for the Scarlets and stuff like that but Given that you know, what I just don't get is normally there's that that clear decision in a head coach's mind as to what the pecking order is, right? And occasionally you might get a horses for courses selection, but you know, if you have uh, if you have Thomas Williams as your number one nine and he's and he's unavailable, which he was this week, you'd have expected Hardy to come in and take the and take the reins as the starting nine because he's been the he's been the the second choice in the last few games, but. You know, Gareth Davis comes comes back into it. That didn't seem to make much sense for me. So you've got another halfback combination. Admittedly, one who played together a lot. Um, you've then got you know Willis Halaholo, who's not really played much rugby for Cardiff, and when he did against uh, against Ulster, you know it, it was a pretty chastening experience. He's then come in to play at uh, to play at twelve. Um, like I say, Lewis Rees-Samet, who one week isn't in good enough form to play. Goes away, doesn't you know? Doesn't tear up any trees on his, uh, you know, in between that time, and is then back in the starting lineup. It's just confused, isn't it? It's McNichol. really, really confused. Well, I mean, I can vaguely yeah. understand not, you know, dropping Liam Williams, um, but you know that was that was probably one of the ones. That, but again, it's just the sheer volume of changes in that in that backline, a backline that hasn't clicked so far. And and then you go into the you know you go more changes in the pack. Alan Wynne Jones parachuted in for sentimental reasons. Um, another change in the front lo- front row. You know, so Dylan Lewis comes into the starting lineup. It, it just it's just all looked really really confused, and um, it smacks of a of a of a coach who doesn't know what his best his best. Uh, I don't think he knows half the positions. I don't think he knows who his, his best player is yet alone. His best twenty three combined. Yeah, agreed. And it's also, we went. You, you you just can't make that. You you can't make that many changes in a side that isn't that, it, that isn't firing, even in a side that is firing. And mm. when Bigger did that interview, it 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 seemed like he he knew there was a lot of things up, and that they needed a, they needed a, there needs to be a big overhaul. And that mm. that that's what I took from that, and. He just looked thoroughly frustrated. I know he's deflated, he's annoyed and everything happened. It looked it looked deeper than that. There looked there looked there looked to be a lot lot more in it. And um for me though that, that squad selection there can't come back from that. Yeah. No, I I, th- I think you I think you you're quite possibly right. And we're definitely gonna explore these themes more in the second half, but first we are gonna take this very quick break. Right, welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. The inquest continues. Uh, it does feel like an inquest, Dan, doesn't it? If, if not an inquest, a uh, what's the word? Uh, yeah, a, a post mortem. Um, <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully there are there are people with um, yeah with more trained rugby brains than us doing it. But at the same time, you, you can't help but feel at the at the uh, at the WIU that's that's not always the case. Um, Let's take a few more listeners' questions. It was interesting what you were saying there before the break about the, the, the team selection. We had this one in from Gary Mason. Uh, the performances have been gritty over the previous three games and to reward those players by dropping a chunk of them for players who didn't really deserve a crack against Italy must have been annoying. In a must-win game, would Gatland have done the same? Not in a million years, no. I don't think he would have made those changes... I, I can't see him making any of those changes. That's that's how that's how bad I I think those uh, 
that that selection is. Not one mm. of them. Um, I can't see him making any any of them. Honestly, no. To me, it, that team, that sheer number of changes looks like the kind of game when you're playing, you know, an understrength Tonga on a Friday night. You know, the the, the perennial fourth. Uh, the fourth autumn international that we've always struggled with because we've had to make changes because there's, you know, because uh, because you're trying to manage players' workloads. You can't do that in the Six Nations. You oh, just can't do it's it. It's tournament yeah. rugby, isn't it? I mean, yeah, exactly. You, 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 it's a huge. Every game in the Six Nations is a is a massive deal, mm. and especially that game there at the end was. You know, it it, I mean, it is. Yeah. I know we said a few weeks ago I wasn't in favour of you know of rushing Toby back. Obviously, he proved to be you know to be fully fit and you know one of our best players throughout the tournament. I said the same thing about Navidi. And actually, to be fair, he had a good game again yesterday. But he did have a good game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but it's just it's just the wholesale changes stuff. You know, it's you're not you're not going to build any consistency by doing that. And the other thing as well that I think if you look back at Gatland's reign. Look at the player. You know there, there was no, there was never any room for sentiment in Gatland. You know there was, there's lots of players who, you know they didn't. He never nursed Jamie Roberts through to 100 caps. You know, um, did Martin Williams finally got one? Didn't he in like a Barbarians game or something like that? Martin Williams wasn't going to get, you know, wasn't going to get a, a 10 minutes off the bench against uh, against Australia or against uh, against England, was he? You know, as a final farewell. Yeah. He's, he's cut throat, Adam Jones. Selections. Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Was, you know, he's in tears. And, and again, you, exactly. And you can argue some of these that, that perhaps he didn't treat the, you know, the didn't reward those players. Um, you know, given the level of service that they that they put in, but. I mean, yeah. To me, the whole Alan Wynn thing is just bizarre, and I cannot imagine Alan Wynn wanted it. Do you know what I mean, yeah, of course. You know, when you, when it's when it's laid on like that, he's, he's going to go out and you know and 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 enjoy the fanfare. But you know, to to throw him in when he's not played any rugby since the autumn made no sense. And you know, if he'd made, he would he would have made his hundred fiftieth cap. Maybe it would have been away in you know Bloemfontein or Nelspreet or wherever we're going against South Africa but that's you know that's international rugby do you know what I mean it's yeah. it's, it's you, you, can't, you can't I know there's we play a lot of rugby and caps are kind of handed out a little bit more than they used to be but would never would have picked on sentiment Gatland and um, and he certainly wouldn't have um, yeah he certainly wouldn't have made all those changes for a game against Italy when you're bang out of form and and you know I think he would have seen that as a bigger banana skin than um than uh, than Pivak did. It's also what does it show to the to the rest of the players as well that you know yeah Will Rowland's you know right up there with you know he's probably been our he's up in the top three isn't he most impressive forward we've you know we've had this campaign yeah. you know dropped no need for it um, <clears throat> you know Willis Willis you know Willis straight in you know Hardy. Hardy not involved, not 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 starting. Gareth in. I know you said you know good game for the Scars, but it's very different, isn't it? Very different. Um, yeah, cut yeah Cuth- Cuthbert out. Liam, I know Liam. You know there was question marks over his performance, but McNichols had McNichols shown time and time again that he he isn't he isn't an international. He doesn't have the quality, I don't think, to be at international level. He's got he's loads and loads of mistakes in him. And I just figured that if he went really well in that game, what did it really what, what did it really prove, you know? Mm. Uh, or what would it have proved? Um, but obviously, it, it, it just didn't go well for him again, did it? But uh, it, again, the, the feeling that must have given across the squad is, is massive. And, and as a head coach, again, you have to consider those things, don't you? If I if I make this decision, how does this how you know how does this impact um, you know impact the impact the team? One, there's a negative in just the selection is wrong, but also there's mm. that wider, there's that wider um, uh, impact as well across the across the entire squad that no one ever, no one will ever know what's going on because you can you can you can have a good game, and then and then you're out because uh, that's just what he feel what he feels like doing. Just yeah. if things don't make sense to us, I don't think they'll make sense to the players. And that, no, I don't, and, and that's the worry. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I, you know, like I say, I think it's, I think it's beyond more the than worry. that. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the thing that 
I know I know I harp on about Gatland a lot. Um, you know, we both do, but you know, his selection across that period of time, yes, there's the odd eyebrow eyebrow raising one, but generally speaking, for the, certainly for the big games, he got he got his selection right. And I think part of that as well is didn't really feel the need to chop and change that much in, you know, certainly in Six Nations tournaments because he kind of has a, a really good gauge of whether a player is international quality or not. And at times that was perhaps a setback because someone like Cuthbert was kind of put through the mill to a certain extent Priestland as well because, yes, both of those players were definitely international class on their day, you know, genuinely, truly fine, top-class international players. But when they were out of form, they were confidence players and they needed protecting. Um, but he know, you know, he was such a good gauge of whether a player was good enough or not. And it doesn't feel to me like like Pivak has that same that same level of um, of radar. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the players just aren't. You know, maybe he just hasn't got the, the same players to choose from right now. But yeah. I think uh, also that's though, the thing for me. You know, because you don't have the players don't play. They're playing different combinations. They're not all playing the same sides. To have a sort of settled this side obviously makes perfect sense because you. You get to you get to learn the way in which your your teammates play, don't you? When they're being chopped mm. and changed all the time, and I think that a lot of the time he would give he would give that player, wouldn't he, or those players? You know, there'd be four or five players that that could have the chance to sort of prove themselves again. But it also made it easier, I think, for the players that had played well and and that you know had sort of absolutely earned the right to keep hold of their shirt. Um, it gave them a level of comfort knowing that. They they know how that person is playing, which at which which lines yeah. they're going to run, how they think, you know how they act under and under pressure or, and all those how they communicate all those things again add to their little things aren't they? But when you put them all together in a team, it can be it can be big. Um, but when we're making this many changes continually, how do you get any continuity? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Let's take another question. This one's from Christian Phillips. Is it too late for a change of guard before the next World Cup? I presume he's talking head coach here, I, or coaches generally. I, do, I think it's fine. I, I think, you know, really? yeah, what are we, 18 months out? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't massively think that, you know, you've got to have this long, this long, you know, th- you know, four year, pe- four year period where you're building. I think a, a very, very good quality coach, to- you know, that's got a lot of experience, international experience, um, or has, you know, a, a really, really good, that's oh, a risk, but you know, club, say the club, they've been European, they've been there for a long, long, pe- a long, long time. So they've seen different sides come through. Mm. Um, I think you can you can make a massive impact almost instantly because somebody that comes into a change room holds it. I think you hold it on. They'll know. They'll know within within day one. This is this is a leader, or this yeah. is not a leader. And there are those leaders. I think that the sort of over time sort of come through. But we've always needed, haven't we? And well, someone that's 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 stern, strong, sticks you know sticks to their guns. And um, and has an impact on the, on on the players probably because there's a lot of emotion in Wales, isn't there? Always, maybe always will be. I think eighteen months. I think is absolutely I think fine. definitely always will be. Yeah, look, I I I would be inclined to agree with you. From a, if you were just asking me, what would be the best rugby result um, for the for the national side? I think I think twisting rather than sticking would be the right would be the right impact. And I think if you got a top class quality coach in to do the job. I think eighteen months is long enough, especially um, Jed. Especially with because we don't know what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. So it's not like we're we're clicking. You know our, our uh, you know our, our defence and um, you know defence is absolutely spot on. So we've locked that in. That's going that's going really well. Um, and we just got to focus on the attack. It, it's 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 almost across the board, isn't it? I think it is so across I the board. I, I, I can't see the risk. I, I couldn't really point to anything where I would say any facet of the game where I'd say, oh, that doesn't need much changing. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you can go, oh, right, well, 
attack play looks great, even if our forwards are getting munched, or you can't say, you know, right, breakdown looks great, even though even though our set piece is no good. None of those things are, are really good enough to be competing with top international sides. So I, I think it is a, a start from scratch uh, scenario. But the counterpoint to this is, as we've documented before, Pivac had a two-year contract and was then given a two-year extension to take him up to the World Cup. So in order to you know, in order to get out of that, I would imagine, I don't know without seeing the contract, but you would imagine that you would have to be, you know, you'd have to be paying severance pay on that. So, you know, generally speaking, sacking a coach isn't cheap because you've got to, you know, you've got to get them out of that contract, um, particularly if you're sacking a load of them. And the WIU is not in good financial health right now. Uh, obviously, the pandemic's hit that. Um, we all know the regions are, you know, are, are chronically underfunded. Um, so the commercial decision is: Do you stick with him and take a risk that he will get us to the quarterfinals? We won't get any further than the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Um, there's absolutely no chance of that right now. Um, but do you take? Yeah, you know, do you do you stick with it and hope that you can achieve that? But Realistically, we've we've not got an easy group. You know, Fiji could oust us. We've seen it before. Um, we've essentially got the same group that we had uh, four years ago, and that was a much better Welsh side with a much better coach. And that was, to, you know, yes, we we topped the group in the end. But there was a there was some absolutely huge performances in there against Australia and against Fiji. And um, and you're going to need to do that. You're going to need to do that again. So it's it's by no means a foregone conclusion that you can just stroll out of the group. Yeah, no, that our group is not easy, is it at all? I mean, at the moment, we're not we're not. At the moment, I couldn't see us getting out. If we played Fiji. Yeah, if we played Fiji next week, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fancy us to win that game. No, absolutely not. Who, who would? Um, on the on the financial side of it, I guess we'd have to. I'd have to have a look and weigh up. You know, what what the cost. Well, the, you'd have to have a look at the. Uh, you know what what the difference would be if we if we can make it and get you know get wins as opposed to mm. as opposed to keeping Pivac in his job and like you said, yeah, the other the other coaches around. Do they you know would they would they go or they stay? Um, it's it's it, we're in such a fragile position, aren't we, financially? That they are, that that absolutely would always be looked at, but more but more mm. so in our case. The other danger as well is if you, if things don't change now, right, and we go to South Africa over the summer and take a pumping, which let's be honest, good Welsh sides have gone over there and taken a pumping um, before, so it's not unthinkable. If we go over there and we get hammered. We then come back and you and the WRU are trying to sell tickets for uh, for whatever goes on this autumn. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember who we've got, but we've seen that in previous autumns and in fact this Six Nations that it's been difficult to sell tickets at the price the WRU need to sell them. You know, are, are people going to go there to watch a side who's lost to Italy, taking a taking a drubbing to South Africa, and? You know, looks looks all uh, looks all at sea. That's gonna, that's going to be a difficult sell. And then off the back of that, you've then got, you know, you then got the Six Nations to, to worry about the following uh, the following season. So, you know, the World Cup is important and obviously is important commercially. But before then, you got a hell of a lot of rugby to be played and a hell of a lot of rugby that you need to sell tickets for. So, both from a rugby and a commercial point of view, there are some serious some serious head scratching to go on there. And that's only, this is only talking about the national side. We're not even getting into the <laughs> state that the, the regions yeah. and the structure and the governance of, uh, of Welsh rugby is in because we, yeah, we've only went near enough time for that done. We could be on all week. That's it there. That is a week long pod there, isn't it? And um, we definitely need Murph in for, uh, that'd be, that'd <laughs> in be for a, that. a, 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 not just a Patreon special, a, a retreat We'd have to go. We'd have to go away. Have a attacking scrum conference. For yeah, that yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's um, it's a good point that you make about the the games before because everyone talks about the World Cup, but there's already lots and lots of talk, isn't there? People not enjoying going to the stadium. Now the you no know, now this loss. There was what was there ten half thousand tickets. Not. You know, not sold, not claimed mm. for a Six Nations game. When has that? When has that happened? We're in. We're in. 
we're in desperate times, aren't we? We are in desperate. We are, and, and we got to you know yeah. wins. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting what you said. We need wins and performances now. I I I yeah. think I think they have to come now. Now the interesting thing is that Pivac, if he'd made a different, if he'd made different selections there, we would have won that game. Yeah. So certain things we could address very quickly, and there's been loads of strange decisions over his tenure. Really, I mean, there's there's been more more strange decisions than there's been there's been sensible ones. Has there been has there been many sensible ones? I don't think there has. So that can be addressed. But if he's making those changes and he's the mm. guy, are they? Is anything going to change? I didn't realise he was this much of a tinkerer, to be honest. I will say, you know, a couple of examples it's worked. You know, George North. Admittedly, we haven't seen him this this Six Nations, but arguably his stock has gone up off the back of not playing in the, you know, in this in this campaign. But that move to thirteen, you know. Um, looks like you know looks like it's a good one i know he's played a bit of 13 there for wales and has always been there as as a cover um but you know weirdly that's one of the few positions where i think pivak knows his best player is um is north is probably his best 13 um i mean outside of that it's all looked it's all looked very very strange you know i think playing players in different positions um that constant tinkering I don't think is like you know like we said in the first half is, is no good for it and and these are these are the things that you're judged on if you get your team selection right um you know it's such a big step forward to to winning games it really is it does seem to be I mean Eddie Jones is, is you can't get his selection right can he and it is it, I guess it is a difficult job isn't it to, to select when you've got when you've got lots of options, obviously England have, <laughs> I mean, a totally different league in terms of the number of options they've got for every single position on the park. But with Pivac going while from... We, while we're talking team selection and you've brought Eddie Jones up, what the hell was that team selection um, <laughs> for the game against France? I, did, I, I obviously didn't notice it in the week and it was only when I sat down to watch the game... Um, on Saturday night that I looked at it and thought this is absolute madness like you know Freddie Stewart who's we've said before is is really good on the high ball I think Murph's been a little bit harsh on him um, because yes you know okay he's not going to necessarily cut a cut a back line to shreds with um, with an amazing uh, with an amazing break but in in, um, in international rugby if you're able to uh, yeah, if you're able to, to stop spilling the ball, that, that that makes a big difference. But playing him on the wing just meant that it was it was obvious what the tactics were going to be. You know, Furbank has barely played much international rugby. He had that horror show in in 2020 in the same stadium, and then has played a game against like USA or something at 10, and is then drafted back in for this big game. None of that makes any sense to me. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he's you know, it's not Pivak isn't the only one that feeling the pressure because uh, you know the the scrutiny is is arguably even higher for uh, for an England head coach when you consider that you know the bulk of the the national media is London based and um, and the kind of money that Eddie Jones will be on. Uh, so there'll be there'll be similar soul searching going on at, going on at Twickenham right now. Oh, definitely, yeah, there will be, and they're. Uh... But obviously, Pivak and Eddie Jones are probably on the same medicine, aren't they, with, 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 with the selections? But it just shows, doesn't it? It, it, is, it is tricky. Um, that's the main thing. You, you said it loads of times. You know, that's what you've got to make. You've got to get right as, as head coach, just the selections. And I guess, you know, when you're, you know, Pivak obviously coming from club coach, you haven't got to make as many. There's not as many players to choose from, is there? Then when you come into the main seat, you've got, you have got a lot more options, a lot more choice. Uh, but I don't think it's as simple. It's not as simple, is it? As picking, you can't always even pick the best players sometimes, and have them all on the park. You've got to look at combinations. They they don't have that much time together, and that's where that that over looking at you know looking at things in a slightly different way is just so important. The combinations cannot be underestimated, and and at times possibly they they are being you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, and, and look, to me, that's why you have to have a top-class international quality coach because you've got to have someone 
for, for those things that we mentioned in the first half. You've got to have someone who knows how to how to get a dressing room to buy into their vision. You've got to know what system you're trying to play and you've got to pick the best players to to carry that out and uh, and to go and, and to go and achieve it on the pitch. And you know, if you and that is a really hard thing to do. That's why, you know, sometimes good club coaches don't make it at international level. And I think that the best sides have have head coaches who are uh, who are able to do this. And not just head coaches, you know, you've then got the coaches below them to be able to, to carry these things out and, and do things with players in a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, you've got to get... That, that means everyone knows their job on the night. Yeah, you do. I think when you look at Eddie Jones, for instance, he, he you know, we would say that he gets the decisions, the, the selection is wrong in terms of who he picks. But it does, it for me, it's apparent that he does have the changing room. The, 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 the players, yeah. the, the players, um, they they really do, don't they? And um, I think that that comes down to his character. You know, we 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 you know we sort of laugh at him sometimes, doesn't he, from a Welsh perspective and how he comes across. Mm. But he he's got a presence, isn't he? He's got something about him the players buy into, and so if he makes the call, they go with it. And I think it's very very difficult. I can imagine it being so so difficult as a head coach that you make the calls people are going to be disappointed with those calls but again they've got to they've got to go with the vision and Eddie Jones does to be fair to him is 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 very good at that because a lot of the results they've had have not gone their way yet he is still massively respected by the players yeah it's a really good point and i think um look I, what what's weird right is right now would would Eddie Jones, someone who we you know we we've, we've criticised him for his selection and he's quite rightly under fire for for the performances that he can't get out of England, you know, when he's got that bigger player pool to choose from, he would be doing a better job with our side if he was coaching it. Do you know what I mean? He just would because I think um, he's got that he's got that international level experience. The problem he's got with England is almost is almost he's got way too many players to choose from, and I don't think he trusts a lot of them. Um, I don't think he'd have that problem in Wales because we haven't got that that kind of player pool. I think he would be putting in systems and um, systems and styles of play and, and actually just getting the basics right. It's you know it's almost a bit like you know would he be doing that Sam Allardyce Tony Poulis kind of job for for Wales who at the moment don't have that. You know it's like literally don't have the the route one stuff that that you need to um, to close out games. What do you think about a swap, Jed? I don't, it doesn't fill me with joy, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it really doesn't. But we have an impression. Um, I was seeing that as. A <laughs> oh right. Oh yeah. Well, look, Dan. You know, we always be tempted to go and go and coach Wales, but uh, yeah, there's a long way down the M4, and I always get stuck in those tunnels of Bringlet. Um, uh, brilliant. Yeah, I. Um, Oh yeah, I don't know, mate. I mean, this is it's, it's so tricky. I, I am with you that I think eighteen months out, you've kind of like, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a decision, it's likely to to have to come pretty damn soon. Do you think we'll have um, one? No, do you? I don't think so. No, I, I, don't I think. just think for those financial reasons, I, I think they will. They won't. They won't do it now. Maybe after South Africa. Mm. Maybe. Um, but it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's it's coming anytime soon because you only gave him a you know an extension last year. Yep. Yeah, with that extension, I I can't see it happening with the fragile nature of of the state of uh, of the finances of, of that poor, aren't they? Yeah. What about what about this one? This is uh, this is from David Corrigan. He says it feels like this has been on the cards for a while. Obviously, we've, we've mentioned that a couple of times. Could this be the galvanising moment Welsh rugby needs as a whole in order to get their shit together? Um, and can we get back to picking the best players? We've definitely covered that. Um, but yeah, do you think this kind of you know in a way that the quarterfinal or the lack of a quarterfinal in the two thousand and seven World Cup was? I think a, a defining moment in terms of we need a head coach who's going to dominate this dressing room and eliminate any kind of player power and then and ended up with Gatland. Do you think it could be one of those moments or are we going to have to wait for a potential repeat, uh, history repeating itself against Fiji in the next World Cup? Yeah, well, I don't think I 
aren't they? For, for one, I mean, I, I can't see us in terms of the in terms of the players. I don't think this will sort of like have a you know the players will sort of wake up and and um, you know suddenly put in different performances. I think this is bigger. This is this is this is a lot bigger. The change will have to be if there's if 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 there's a change in you know in the coaching in the setup. Um, so I think I can't see any positive really coming from 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 this loss because I don't think that we'll have a change with. Uh, yeah. I mean, is it a chance? to do a full kind of root and branch analysis of everything that's going on from top to bottom in the game, the structure, the, I mean, maybe, look, I, I, I don't think this is all as a result of one loss to Italy, but I think it's fair to say that for a period of time, the national side has been the sticking plaster over big, big cracks in in the game, you know, and whether that's the way that, you know that community clubs get a large say in the way that the way that the, the game is structured, and I and I get why, and we all love those community clubs. But is that really the way to run uh, to run a a professional union and 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 professional clubs? And you know we all know that the regions have funding problems and haven't performed for a for a long period of time. And you know all of those things weren't addressed while we were winning games and winning championships. And you know, this this could be one of those moments where things are, are coming home to roost, um, and they've got to be addressed at some point, surely. Yeah, they have. I mean, I think it it it, it would be a good, you know, a, a it's a strange thing to say, isn't it? But the perfect time. I mean, the perfect time. The perfect storm, almost. Yeah, yeah the perfect time was was was, you know, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? But yeah, why not? You know, this has come about. <clears throat> It's a good opportunity to literally make some big, big systemic changes that need to be done because everyone pretty much knows, don't they, in Welsh rugby that we're in and we're in dire straits. And so why don't we rip it up now? Rip it up. Mm. Let's make some changes. Let's make the changes that, that a lot of people want. There will be people that don't want them, but there's more people that do than don't. And... Um, and start to rebuild, and and then we and then we can move forward. Otherwise, we just continue to sort of, I suppose, die. Really, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it does feel like um, death by a thousand cuts. You know. Yeah. Um, I, mind you, yesterday felt a lot more of a, you know, a bit more of a, a substantial one. Um, yeah. Look, I, at some point, all of these issues have to be addressed, and there has to be a structure that that works for professional rugby in Wales. You know, there has to be, and that's everything, that has to be a commercial model that works. It has to be a, um, yeah, it has to be a coaching structure, the player pathways, the way that the game is governed, the way that the way that chairman and, and senior board members are selected, the way that the professional clubs are funded. All of these things have got to be, have got to be looked at if you want any sustained period of success. I think it is kind of astonishing that we're able to, you know, we're able to look back at uh, the 2008 to 2019 years as, as uh, you know, with whatever it was, how many Grand Slams in that time? One, two, three Grand Slams, a championship and two Rugby World Cup semi-finals. You know, and all of that, I think, papered over the cracks and meant that when it came to selling tickets for games, we were able to generally, you know, they were probably able to command more than... Um, more than they could have otherwise, and that kept some money coming into the game. Now, where that's been invested, we haven't even we haven't even mentioned the the hotel in uh, um, in this podcast tonight. But it, you know, stuff like that feels like a massive eyesore and a and a, and a hideous kind of um, a hideous investment on the on the balance sheet, doesn't it? Because you look at it and think, well, are you are you really going to be able to uh, to sell uh, to sell space in that and bring money into the game when? Um, when the sides playing like they are, you know it's uh, it was always dangerous to have a top heavy, a top heavy commercial mould which relied on the national side being successful, um, 
and yeah, I don't know whether whether or not this is that that moment, that kind of like tipping point moment. I don't know, but it also is. If it's not, you've got to realise that one almighty great pipe has burst, and it's not just a question of putting a bucket down. You've got to you've got to address the whole plumbing system uh, that is this great game of ours. Will we? Um. Your head says no, doesn't it? It does. But surely, surely now, it's got, it's got, it's got to be addressed. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the, it is the opportunity to do it, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it has to be. Because um, when else? Where yeah. else? You know. Well, when else would be when we dumped that the the World Cup in the in the pool stages? But like you say, that's eighteen months away. And that could be eighteen months of you know of serious damage. Um, I, I think you know what I think will be equally as worrying to the WIU, regardless of what they're saying, was those ten thousand tickets not sold against France. Yeah. And yes, Friday night had a part to play in it. The fact that the bulk of them were hundred quid tickets um, is another you know is another reason. The reliance on kind of just jacking the price up and relying on kind of tourists to come and um, to come and, and watch the game or or casual fans to come and watch it and you know look ultimately if you if you pay your ticket I, I, I you know I don't want to get too snooty about it but you know whenever we go right we're, we're there for the rugby and that's everything and I know there's been all this problems about it being the world's biggest weather spoons and and all that kind of stuff um, but regardless people vote with their feet and with their wallets. And if they're not prepared to pay the money, that will be a massive, massive red flag for the for the WEU. And in a way, that might even that might even spark more change than the than the than the performances on the pitch. Yeah, you could be right there. That interestingly, yeah, that could be the sort of um, not the moment, but what happened there could 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 drive the change quicker than anything else, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just think that might be a wake up call that um, it should you know, be. You've maybe ex- you've maybe exhausted the number of people who are prepared to pay that amount. Um, maybe it maybe it was just a Friday night thing, um, but you know I think the price definitely has something to do with it. Um, yes, we sold out the Scotland game, but at the same time it was uh, you know it was the first game back at back at the millennium for yeah first six nations going back at the millennium for two years so you know there was always going to be i think a degree of that and, and perhaps that bit of optimism going into that game um i think it'd be very very difficult to you know to to motor on with uh to motor on with um sales for the autumn right now yeah I've, with covid and where we've been i know the friday night games are never popular but really that should that should that should be a sellout, shouldn't it? You know, Friday. A chance to watch this French side. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, like you know, even, even... and people are choosing not to go. Yeah, more and more people are choosing not to go. You know that from the people you speak to, just you know, friends, family. There's a lot more of that than I've ever heard before. It's a worry. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, yeah, we've, we've not got any research into this, but yeah, definitely anecdotally, there's. I think there's lots of mm. people who, and I, you know, we've mentioned on it before as well. The atmosphere has, has changed. There's still been some brilliant, great games there. You know, I, I really enjoyed the atmosphere for the Scotland game. I have to say, uh, you know, and I, I know I remember you talking about the England Wales game there in in 2019. Um, you know, Josh Adams, Corey Hill, one was being was being phenomenal. I yeah, it's that same year as there for the for the Grand Slam. So you know, it, it can happen. And then, but you do get some of these games. I've I, I, I've witnessed some bloody awful atmospheres in that stadium because. You know, to be fair, people who people who've got the choice of maybe going to one game are thinking, well, do you know what? Maybe maybe I'll keep my at that point eighty quid and not watch a dead rubber, um, a dead rubber international. Um, and yeah, these these are all things that they they've got to address. Um, and yeah, it, I don't know. Maybe it sounds a bit hysterical after after one defeat, but I do feel like this is yeah the yeah the, there's a lot more to it than just that. I'm 100% with you. Dan, it's uh, been cathartic, I would say. Um, if not a pleasure. Um, <laughs> I would rather I'd rather we were we were looking back at a Grand Slam campaign, but Yeah, never easy yeah. these ones. But this is right up there, isn't it? No. 
Yeah, exactly. And we will revisit this with the Mighty Murph. If not with an extra podcast, then definitely when he comes back, uh, when he comes back next That's week, it. we've, Mur- uh, we've re- <laughs> returned him to fitness. Murph will bring all the optimism. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't wait to yeah. uh, to hear that pod. I know. Oh, yeah, all of, all of this to look forward to. Um, but yeah, thanks to Dan for joining us. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. Uh, thank you to uh, to Paul Price as well. He left us a review on uh, on Apple Podcasts. If you want to do the same, that really helps us out. Uh, and a thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some top quality coffee, then you can do that by going to SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. Right, whatever happens, we will be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Sports Social Podcast Network.